Welcome to Back to Debbie, the premier Debbie show brought to you by Campus to Canton. I'm your host, Mike, and this is my co-host, Corey. We're decomposing in off-season material. We're just absolutely surrounded by nonstop moving pieces. Five weeks ago, we gave you guys the update on the first wave of the transfer portal, and now it's time for part two. And everyone knows the sequel is always better than the original. But first, Corey with the news. Yeah, and it's a lighter news cycle this week. I had to reach a little bit for some of these pieces, especially since we're going to get into a lot of these moving pieces today in the transfer news. So try to stay away from some of those guys. Um, So we'll start here with former five-star LSU and Georgia tight end Eric Gilbert is transferring over to Nebraska, try to kickstart his his career over there again one more time. Um, We've also got former five-star quarterback Walker Howard and – uh, Oklahoma, former Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders both transferring to Ole Miss. Kind of uh, ominous signs for uh, quarterback Jackson Dart over there, but something that we might get into a little bit more next week when we talk about some winners and losers. And then we've also got former USC wide receiver Kyle Ford, um, kind of was a Debbie darling at one point, uh, battled with injuries, never really got, uh, could make an impact on the field for USC. He's transferring over to UCLA to kind of hopefully uh, restart his career over there. Um, I also just want to give a, a shout out to Mike here. And uh, we also have an NFL draft analyst, Barnabas Lee, who are both going to be heading to the senior bowl next week. So you guys can expect some, some reports coming out there as well. Um, I think they've already released their first one today. Uh, you can check that out on the YouTube, uh, previewing some of the guys over there. We're also going to be releasing a few preview pieces from our team uh, in the next upcoming days. Uh, you know, let you know who you should be keeping your eyes on, who can be a riser, who could be a faller, you know, guys to put on your radar. Um, guys that can probably get that senior bowl bump that we talk about a lot of the time. So make sure you're keeping it locked on the campus Canton website, the YouTube and the podcast feed for everything that you're going to need to know to guide you through this off season. All right, guys, for player profiles this week, we're going to talk about two running backs that kind of had a little bit of a disappearing act compared to what it was expected of them. Uh, we're talking about tank Bigsby and Sean Tucker, but first let's talk about the tank. Uh, not, not Nathaniel Dell, but the actual Tank Bigsby, six foot, 213 pounds. This year's rushing numbers were 178 carries for 976 yards and 10 touchdowns for receiving 30 catches, 180 yards receiving. Same receiving yards as last year, which I thought was kind of cool, but uh, 10 more receptions. Uh, Auburn as a system has just been an absolute dumpster fire, which they fired Coach Harrison, thank God. Uh, but Tank has been the focal point of this offense and honestly relatively successful, given that every single defense in the SEC should know that he is the only plausible threat on that offense. So I do have to give that out there for him. Uh, I'm just going to go right into my profile. I think Tank has great speed. I do. I, I think he does have some pretty good footwork, too. He's just it's just like stuff boxes and it's just, he's just very clearly the only offensive piece on that system. If they could shut down tank, then they would just shut down Auburn. So I do think that he was efficient enough. And I, I think he's going to be a discount because he's just a forgotten player. So he is going to the draft. He's, he's an early declare. He'll test. Well, I think come combine, once they see that speed, I do think the draft Knicks will be a little bit more interested because of his athletic profile. But as a player, I do think he is a high end talent here. Corey, what do you think about tank Bigsby? Yeah, I think he has a pretty good profile on paper as well. Talking about some good size that he brings to the table, um, good pedigree as well. Produced as a true freshman, produced all three years really, which is what we like to see, despite some unfavorable situations, especially last year. 
And for me personally, he's a guy that I saw improve from, from year one to year two, especially with the burst and stuff. We saw him get a little bit more, more faster, a little more comfortable. The athleticism come out a, real, uh, a little bit. Um, I, I think he does a really nice job dissecting a little bit at the line, finding which route to go a, a little bit patient at the line too, letting his block set up in front of him, um, which honestly was a little bit more of a problem this year at Auburn as well. You saw a lot of stuff boxes, guys getting ran over. He actually ended up with less production this year, but I thought it was kind of cool. He actually improved on some things this year, even though the raw prediction was, was less, you know, yards per contact per attempt, almost a full yard better than last year, 4.16, which is one of the higher numbers in this class. Um, Force missed tackles as well. 61 compared to 48 last year. Uh, broke off more 15-plus uh, yard runs as well. So he was having to do a lot of the work himself in an offense that really didn't have any other options, right? So he's having to create on his own, which is something that I, I kind of nicked him for a little bit uh, back in the day um, when I was first looking at his freshman tape and stuff that I found a little bit uncreative, you know. And, and as far as negatives I would go, I would say he's not the most fluid runner sometimes. You know, sometimes he prefers power over trying to be elusive, uh, just running guys over. A little bit of an upright runner at times as well. So I may want to see him lower those pads a little bit as well. And and like I was saying, the creativity on the second level. Uh, this is a guy who just ran to space a lot of the time. Wasn't really a guy to juke you out of your shoes or whatever. The receiving profile, I will say, is actually a little bit of a plus. 50 receptions over the last two years. And Noah Hills, an analyst that does uh, some work over here for uh, at C2C for us, he was recently looking at, at something called route versatility for, for the running backs in the class. And he actually came in third for backs who had over a 13% target share uh, in route versatility. So he actually has a little bit of creativity in the route he was running as well. But overall, he, he, for his profile, he does strike me as kind of a powerful one-cut runner. Maybe not as creative as I would have liked to see, but but for me personally, he's probably hovering right now around that RB six to seven range, um, right now, and, and maybe he might climb, maybe he might might drop a little bit as I kind of finalize my rookie ranks. But that's where he's kind of sitting for me right now. I'm with you there. He's actually is my current RB five. Uh, you do see when you're like just doing the box struggles against the tougher defenses. They just couldn't win in the trenches ever against SEC defenses. So uh, it's just interesting to see that he almost hit a thousand yards because it was just padding his stats off of poor defenses. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was a struggle for him. And it's very easy to draw comparisons to um, Cam Akers narrative mm-hmm. from years ago, talking about how that was something really that bad. came to my mind as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Cam Akers probably got never really developed as a runner and was just kind of raw. And that's really kind of been on the next level. Uh, and then we're still seeing if that works out or not. We had the Achilles injury, but I think Tank is going to really profit from a better system. I mean, this is just like, think about this as his floor play. Like, this is what you're getting with him at a floor. With better supporting cast around him, he's going to elevate an offense. So Tank is QB, not QB, excuse me, RB5, but definitely, a, I think, a discount. I mean, this is just great running back class. Let's move right on over to who is my RB4, and it is very close, in my opinion, and that's going to be Sean Tucker. Five foot ten, two hundred five, another great size for rushing this year. Two hundred and four rushing attempts for thousand sixty two yards, eleven touchdowns, and then for receiving thirty seven receptions for two hundred sixty two yards and five touchdowns. Now he did see five hundred less rushing yards this year from last year, and people will say that's a down year. The the response to that is that they got a new OC. Robert and I came in. He came in from the Virginia system. I think I've said the story probably about four times now. But he comes in from Virginia, which featured a air raid style offense, which you know clearly doesn't feature the run, obviously. So there were games where he was, you know, almost a non-factor, not because of his own skill set, though. It's just because of the game script. 
Um, Sean Tucker is fast. He's bursty. He can make guys miss. He's shifty. He's got some of the best hands in the class, and we do have a lot of really good natural hand catchers in this running back class. I do want to say for his one negative for me, though, it's power. Uh, there's there's plenty of film out there where he just uh, doesn't drive through the defender. And, you know, goal line stuff, it, it's um, it's interesting. It's something that he has to learn, and I hope that it is something to learn. It's It's hard to teach aggression it's easier to teach a player to calm down. So I guess that would be a pretty big negative for me. But again, hopefully he can teach the next level. He does have the size and the athletics. And you know what? He's going to crush the interview portion next level. This man does his own personal review of his gameplay every single week. So you know during the interview portion of the combine, he's going to kill it. I think he is uh, locked in for for second-round draft capital. I really do. I think he's going to go that go in that range. Corey, what do you think about Sean Tucker? Yeah, and viewing both these guys that we're talking about today, because I kind of just did a, a, a recap or um, refresh my mind on these two guys. And I actually found it to be kind of a nice contrast with Tank, who, who has more of your one-cut power runner. And, and Sean Tucker is kind of more of your quicker, um, can change direction pretty well, uh, pretty good track athlete as well. So that that kind of speed shows up on the field when he's breaking those long runs and stuff as well. Another guy with a pretty decent re- receiving profile, like you said, um, this guy, 15% target share. Um, around a pretty diverse tree as well. One of the higher guys in the list as well at 2.0 a dot, which means it wasn't all dump offs and screen plays. And um, which is something we, you, you've talked about before. We like to see a positive a dot. Um, I will personally be pretty interested in the way in process. Cause this was a guy who came into college around 190 pounds um, actually played in high school around 160 pounds, which is, which is pretty crazy. Had a, had a confirmed weight of 157 pounds in high school, like a year before he entered college. So I am a little bit skeptical if he is going to be at that 205 range. That's something I'm eager to see because if it, if he is, you know, that that'll be a big thing for his stock. Um, that size does make itself show on the field. Like you were saying, he isn't necessarily the kind of guy who's going to push piles, not the kind of guy who blows through contact a lot. I, his play strength leaves, you know, something to be desired when you're watching him. Um, this was a guy who averaged under three yards per contact over the year, you know, uh, kind of one of the lower numbers at the top of this class. Um, and, and I even kind of separated, I looked at him just versus power five competition. And if you take out a game versus Clemson, where he only ran the ball five times, you only average 2.1 yards after contact versus power five competition. So the numbers are kind of backing up what we're seeing on the field. So I am a little bit worried about that play strength, um, making its way to trend translating to the next field, uh, to the next, uh, uh, level. Um, he kind of saw a, a drop in a lot of categories this year, you know, yards per con uh, yards after contact force missed tackles yards per carry. But like you alluded to in the beginning, there was an OC change. He had like 40 something less carries, almost 50 less carries, less opportunities in general. The, the offense was less focused on the run. So I think in general, I like Sean Tucker. I think he's one of the more dynamic runners at the top of this class. But but for me, the Wayne is going to be a big part of the evaluation because I think he could, for me, he could potentially end up like running back five or he could potentially drop to the latter half of my top 10 if he comes in underweight. That's a good point too, because if he drops that weight, I think teams might, take him a little bit down for draft capital so if he like let's say he drops to 200 gets gets drafted in like the late third i think that makes him like a satellite back like that doesn't make him a workhorse and of course it depends on the situation where he goes and stuff like that but that that's a very valid concern um let's go on to uh let's go on to our show let's talk about landing spots so these brave souls said hey i'm gonna go into the transfer portal which is basically like tinder for, for, for college coaches out there and they got the swipe right or swipe left. So I, I don't know my ego couldn't take it if I went to the portal and everyone said, no, thank you to me. But these guys, 
We're talking about the guys and their landing spots, whether they're tempted by NIL, backroom dealings, wanted more playing time, or just wanted to increase their, their NFL draft stock. But let's start off with one of the fun topics, and we're going to talk G5 to P5. Now, for everyone listening that's new to this, G5 stands for group of five. That's going to be your lower conferences. That's your, your Sun Belt, your MAC, your Mountain West, your AAC, the All-American. And Corey, I am forgetting one. I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't listening. So I can't. <laughs> All right. the the P5, which stands for Power Five, is going to be the SEC, ACC. I remember the G5 one now. I'm so sorry, guys. It's the CUSA. Now the P5 stands for Power Five, and that's going to be your SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, and Pac-12. That's going to be your Power Five. And the reason why it's always split up like that is because players in the Power Five always have a higher chance of getting drafted than the group of five. And obviously you, you go down the line to the FCS level and it becomes rare, rarer, more rare, because more rare uh, than it would if you went to like the SEC. So we're going to start off with a running back here. Let's talk Carson Steele, Ball State to UCLS, UCLA. He replaces Zach Charbonnet. We really was hoping it was going to be that freshman coming in, but he's going to, he is at least currently viewed as the heir apparent to Zach Charbonnet. Corey, do you want to start off with this one? Yeah, I guess we, we kind of talked about TJ Harden a few weeks ago after he had the big bowl game. Seemed like it could potentially have been his gig. Some performed pretty well in that game as well. I can't remember, 11 carries over 100 yards or something like that. So he had a pretty good game there. Um, but now, of course, comes comes Carson Steele from Ball State. Um, I would have been happy to see him stay at Ball State and, and put up a huge workhorse stat line there. You know, for us who play C2C like yourself, um, he's been a, he's been a great asset over there. So, but there's definitely some 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 opportunity over here now. Now that Charbonnet is gone, um, I think it is going to kind of be between him and Harden battling. And I think some people are kind of leaning towards Steele right now. He's got some intrigue to him. Um, over 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns last year as a true sophomore. Um, 75% of his yards coming after contact. Over four yards per contact or uh, over four yards after contact per attempt so this guy was pretty tough to bring down um he's just you know watching him i think you agree with me too he's not necessarily the type who's going to be super elusive in in the open field um i do wonder how his transition will go at the power five level he doesn't seem overly athletic to me you know pff did credit him with 90 missed tackles forced which which could be broken tackles as well could just be a guy he's breaking off a lot of tackles not necessarily being like crazy elusive in the open field making a guy miss you know so so i still tend to think you know, I think he has a pretty good shot at earning this job at a camp. Um, just watching how he transitions in the power five is going to give us a better look at his athleticism. Cause I think that's probably my bigger concern um, with him possibly having a shot at the next level. And if we really need to be paying attention to him as a Debbie asset. Yeah. So I wrote his profile last year for the Debbie guide. And I, I thought that just like you, I thought he lacked athleticism, like to an extreme level. I thought that across the board for every G five running back outside of Keaton Mitchell. Um, so that includes Lou Nichols and all of them. Uh, but uh, I, I just thought that he excelled at um, chaos. Uh, in, in the MAC, there's just not a lot of uh, – I don't even know what to call it. The play breaks down so often in the MAC that it's just nonstop holes everywhere, and he was very good at navigating those holes. Now, I thought his footwork was pretty sloppy. He lacked burst, but, again, his vision was seemed pretty solid. Uh, this year, though, I actually do think he increased uh, his ability at footwork. I really do. I think he's got a little quicker feet. I'm a little bit more excited about his potential because he looks pretty clean. But again, the athletic upside is missing. So I, I am a little stuck on TJ Harden. And we're probably going to talk about him next week a little bit more. But I'm not 100% sure this is, this is Carson Steele's backfield. And 
I'm not really sure where he's going to be in my Debbie rankings. I don't know if you have yours pulled up right now, but I, I think he's like in my RB 30 to 40 range. So it's not really quite a endorsement, um, but somebody that I'm interested in. Yeah. So I, I don't even know if I have him in my rankings right now. Cause you could, we totally reworked everything and I dropped a bunch of guys. So I only have like, I have like, uh, what 60 guys ranked. So, uh, um, I haven't placed him in there yet. Um, but I think he would fall a little bit lower than that range for me. I think he might yeah. fall somewhere in the 40 to 50 range for me. So, okay. so yeah. Yeah. He's 37 for me right now. Um, but I, I did want to say, I don't think TJ Harden's a non-factor. T, I'm, I'm just going to talk about TJ Harden then. He's got he's got 13 carries his last two games for 201 yards. He averaged 7.4 yards per carry the entire year. Now, that offensive line was was uh, killing it for UCLA, but he's 6'2", 210, did this as a true freshman. So I know, I just, just be cautious about how excited you get about, about Carson Steele. This, this is a jumping competition, and we'll see how the transition goes. Uh, let's go on to our next guy here. We're going to talk about uh, Elijah Spencer, uh, UNC Charlotte, going to Minnesota. Corey, why don't you start us off here for Elijah Spencer? Yeah, you know, I, this is actually your guy, so I was going to let you sing his praises. But I, I know you got a little bit excited because I told you I did finally take a look at him and kind of look uh, at his stuff in preparation for the show. And I have to say, this guy has some talent as a route runner. Um I saw him change up his tempo a little bit. I saw him do a nice fake double move or, you know, he got the guy to bite on the vertical, snapped it back for a big play, yeah. um, has has a good stop-start ability, at least for that mm-hmm. level of competition. So I was seeing a lot of the stuff in his route writing. So I think the situation going to Minnesota is is kind of interesting. They're not necessarily known for, for their receiving weapons, at least the past few years. But this is the same staff. That got success of guys like like Tyler Johnson, uh, Rashad Bateman once upon a time. It's a much older wide receiver core there as well. They got some young guys, but but the guys who are starting and a lot of the stuff, you know, Cab um, and, and some other guys are, are Redrick seniors already. So, yeah, so it's getting older already. Um, you got They're also transitioning to a world post Mo Ibrahim and Tanner Morgan as well. So they're, they're transitioning all over the place. You know, I, I thought that Ethan kid had had some solid games last year, or whatever. Maybe could help the transition because he's, he's played a little bit. Um, but maybe they're going to rely on the pass a little more. Maybe they're going to rely on the run. I'm not too sure how that's going to go yet. But Elijah checks off some 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 nice boxes, right? He's got the size. He's got the early production, even at his level of competition. So um, it, it's not going to be someone I'm, I'm as big on as you are. So I'm not going to advise that you go hunt him down and get him on your roster. But he's an interesting guy that you, you can put on your radar and maybe take a take a late stab at Drafton. I have been mocked and ridiculed <laughs> for Elijah Spencer. You know how I know this? Because I'm in a mock draft right now. And all the guys that I've been praising, no one cares. No one's drafting him that high. I got Caden Prather <laughs> in the 10th. We'll, we will be talking about him. You know, yes, he yes. goes. He goes to uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but Mr. Peck there, who who you know made Corey Davis and all those other other Western Michigan guys go go to the NFL. His wide receiver ones get drafted, and Elijah Spencer was a multi-dimensional threat at the G five level. He's not just he's not just a one-dimensional guy where he's just a speedster and he's running by these guys that are slow because it's it's you know CUSA or whatever it's AAC corners. Like he's a multi-level threat. He has some chops there. It's it's. I'm tired of being disrespected like that because people <laughs> clearly don't listen. But I I do have Elijah Elijah Spencer well into my top fifteen. I think he's like just sneaking in my top ten into his class, and he goes to a prominent P five system that is like you said doing a lot of turnovers. So the ambiguity like he can come out on top because they've demonstrated that they don't like their wide receiver core. They wouldn't they wouldn't have gone to the portal and grabbed two guys that they thought they were good at wide receiver. Chris Autumn Bell like that hype's gone. And no one believes him anymore. I don't even want to talk about him anymore. 
So it's thank you, Corey. Hey, you're welcome. Heart, you're welcome. You. I'm going to throw them in my rankings just for you now, now that I've got a good yeah. look at them. <laughs> yeah, people only care when you say stuff, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, oh, one more thing about Elijah Spencer. He was fourth in receiving yards among all second-year players last year, so uh, pretty big breakout. That was with no bowl game, too, by the way. That's just regular season. Let's go on to the next guy here. Let's go on to Devontae Walker, Kent State to UNC. Uh, this guy has a, a more interesting story because he actually started from Juco to G5 and now goes to P5. The last guy to do that was Mitchell Tinsley last year, who I was a big fan of. So uh, that's not really going to work out, but I'm ready to get hurt again here. Uh, Devontae Walker uh, was just absolutely dominating Power 5 competition at Kent State. He put up over 100 yards against Georgia. Uh, again, not as good as last year's defense, but you know, still the number one defense. And he was a – he was – he was burning guys. He's a long strider with deceptive speed as in like deceptive as in like you look at him, you don't think he's fast, but he is fast. Uh, so he goes to UNC. He's got Drake may. There's no one on that roster that I think is really that good of a pass catcher. Now I know some guys at this site are big fans of, of pace uh, and that's fine. He can be the number two, but I'm, I think Drake may is going to have a favorite target and you went in this Kent state transfer. That is Devontae Walker, who is a great athlete. Route tree's not complicated, but it, it's a guy that's six foot three, 200. You don't expect those guys to run off crisp routes. So how do you feel about Devontae Walker here? Yeah, we, we've talked about him a little bit before here. I think you nailed a lot of the good points as well, so I'll make it brief here. But this is a guy that a lot of our team has in the top 30-ish range for what Debbie wide receivers right now. I know you have him a little higher, probably in your top 20, I believe, last time we were talking. Um, you know, ha- has some has some nice traits to him, great size, uh, long strider, like you said. Um, the jump up in competition is going to be the biggest question to answer. But again, he's done it once already, jumping from Juco to G5, did well with it. So I'm optimistic that he can kind of do it again. And, and the situation's great. You're walking in with, with Drake May, probably one of the best, most productive quarterbacks in, in college right now, um, loses all his like main weapons from last year. They were absolutely dying for someone to step up last year when Downs was dealing yeah. with the nagging injuries and stuff. Nobody stepped up. So hopefully this guy can come in, kind of step up i'm cautiously optimistic for the jump for him i I, we've said it before there's always a little bit of risk with these guys jumping from g5 to p5 um but you know i think he's got a fairly good chance to be productive and really put his name on the map for the 2024 class you know he's gonna have a little bit a little bit of a later profile but maybe there's a chance he could be like i know cedric tillman stayed in the power five the entire time but he was a late breakout and and same kind of size and stuff i think he might kind of be like the cedric tillman type of the of this class in 2024 Uh, yeah unlike elijah spencer who we really didn't see play against power five competition we did get to see Devontae Walker play against uh, Oklahoma, Georgia. So it, it's it, – we should feel pretty good about this transition here. I, I really do think that. So we've seen some flashes here. Uh, let's go on to our next guy. Let's talk about Kevin Coleman. He's going from Jackson State to Louisville. He was, I want to say, wide receiver six-ish in uh, last year's composite. I know for our freshman guide, he wasn't included because he was going to the FCS level, but – I do know behind the scenes that Austin, who I think is one of the better uh, freshman uh, analyzers out there, had him as his wide receiver 15, which is a fine, respectable area, too, is going to Louisville. Louisville just got Jeff Brom from Purdue. Uh, he created David Bell. He created Rondell Moore. And Purdue is not a school that gets high in recruit. So David Bell, I think actually was wide receiver 20. I don't know where Rondell was for his recruit status. But the point is, is that Jeff Bell does make diamonds out of out of pretty much dirt pretty much so i i I do and he's going to bring in an air raid offense here there's there's 
some fun pieces on this offense that could be some internal competition. But this is a guy that's definitely a stock up and also in the mock draft and I'm going in. I think he got taken in like the 13th round. I think that's a fine upside area to draft him. I really do. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that if he's the wide receiver one, you're going to be very excited that you draft him there in this system. Yeah, and it, it was kind of a surprise he even went to to Jackson State to begin with, right? I mean, he was like a borderline five-star. He's like a 97 rating, uh, I believe, on the thing. So he, he was pretty up there, um, obviously, with Travis Hunter as well that we're going to get into, kind of the allure of Dion being there, probably brought him over there. He, he's your shiftier, smaller type wide receiver, probably a little bit quicker than fast, I would say, by, by some of the, the tape I was trying to look at. Um, had some strong shuttle times as a prospect as well, so kind of backs that up a little bit. Um, I guess I do kind of wonder... If he is going to earn that wide receiver one role, I think he's probably the most talented guy there. But if if you do look at some of Brom's, Brom's leaders in the past as wide receiver one, looking at guys like Charlie Jones, looking at guys like David Bell. And you did mention Rondale, who's probably the only guy who breaks this mold. But there is a tendency to kind of target the outside option, right? So maybe he'll be the Rondale more, be a little bit, be the, the super talented guy who's going to who's going to command the targets. Um, Coleman was a guy who played 90% in the slot last year. Um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see if it, it can channel his way, you know. Um, he, he's got some internal competition there, you know, a, a couple guys still on Amari Huggins. Bruce. And and Chris Bell as well, who's who's more of an outside guy though as well. So I don't really think they're gonna they're gonna fight too much with each other. But um, I, I you know I I don't necessarily think he, he's a lock for for the role, but I think he's got a pretty good chance to earn it out the gate and really hop on to the Debbie radar. Yeah, and they lose Tyler Hudson to the NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Chris Bell is there as you mentioned. I actually am a big fan of Chris Bell. Six, six foot two, two twenty. He's a size speed freak. I think he runs over twenty one miles per hour at that size. My huge concern was if they convert him to tight end because they they do that. They did that to Marshawn to Marshawn Ford. Um, but Chris Bell is a guy that in high school uh, was dunking on Travis Hunter, cornerback one in the class. When they when their high school was played, he absolutely dominated Travis Hunter. We're just gonna segue into our next guy here. I want to talk about Travis Hunter, the two way athlete, wide receiver, and cornerback coming from Jackson State, same as Kevin Coleman, going to Colorado, following Deion Sanders there. Uh, this guy just, just, I think I've talked about him before, but he he moves like Kadarius Tony in the open field. He really does. And uh, I do want to say one more thing about Kevin Coleman here. I didn't see a lot of flashes. Like he looked okay, but I never saw like flashes of brilliance. Whereas with Travis Hunter here, I thought he flashed quite a bit and he played significantly less than Kevin Coleman. Uh, if Travis Hunter woke up and said, I want to play wide receiver full time, which won't happen, but if he did, I'm telling you guys, I'm putting him inside my top 15. I mean, he is an ultra athlete. The way he moves is just, it should be illegal, the way he moves. It's just insane to me. So, uh, you have anything to say about Travis Hunter? Yeah, I guess I am still kind of worried about the wide receiver defensive back thing you know which one he is still going to stick to I like the fact that in the NFL now the wide receivers are gaining a lot more value especially over the past couple of years so hopefully that's going to kind of aid him towards wanting to stay at wide receiver um, I've personally often pointed out how skinny he is that's one thing that does bother me about him because he's 6'1 yeah. he's got some he's yeah. got some height to him but he's 165 right and, and you see him on the field you see that he's got skinny legs he's got a skinny body so I really do want to see if he can add some weight um, but he could, if he did stick to wide receiver, he's probably the best wide receiver in this room, right? He has that type of talent that could warrant a top 15 Debbie, Debbie wide receiver ranking. If we actually see him play in that role full time and Colorado is going to be going through a huge ton of turnover right now. And he could really become the face of this program with Deion Sanders being the face of the program and really kind of bring them into the new age. So I'm excited to see what he can say. You and Austin talk so highly about this guy that I'm kind of really excited to see 
where he ends up now that we see him at the power five level. I'm, I'm almost hoping that the five star that they just signed, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, I, I almost hope he takes over the cornerback position. And then they're like, oh man, we need, we need Travis Hunter on offense. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. We need him. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah. And they do have Jordan, Jordan Tyson there. He was uh, probably the best three star last year as a true freshman uh, who is coming off an injury. So I'm sure he's back, but we don't know to what level. So, yeah, I'm with Corey there. Travis Hunter could absolutely just take over his five-seat record right away, even as a part-timer, like honestly. Uh, so let's get on to our next one here. Uh, this one's really just going to be for me. I had to mention this guy because it's going to be Makai Jackson. He is He's FCS, but he's not going to the Power 5. So we're not doing G5 to P5 here. We're doing a little bit of FCS lately. Uh, but he is – going to a G5 program, App State, who threw for 3,200 yards last year, but failed to have a receiver catch over 600 yards. So it's an ambiguous wide receiver core. And the reason why you guys need to pay, pay attention to him is because as a true freshman, he was one of, I want to say like a handful, like four or five true freshmen that were finalists for the Jerry Rice Award and the only wide receiver. So he put up almost a thousand yards. And if he was a year one zero, which uh, doesn't apply to people outside the, the top 300 recruits, just because it's so rare to get drafted, he would have hit eight of eight marks, which is very rare and usually a huge indicator of success. So yeah, that's right. He had a touchdown for a kick return. He, he was just, he was a Swiss army knife out there and one of the best gadget players. He goes to App State. I'm hoping that he balls out App State. I think he should. And then I hope he hits the portal again, just the same way as Devontae Walker did here. He went from, again, uh, the Juco route, then to G5, then to P5. So uh, we'll see about Makai Jackson here. Corey, I just have to double tap and make sure you had nothing else to say about Makai Jackson. <laughs> no, I can't I can't say I've watched a ton of Makai Jackson just from the okay. kind of stuff that you've told him. I've looked at the background a little bit. You know, like you said, the 1,000 yards is a true freshman. Jerry Rice, award finalist, which is very good for the profile. Let's just hope that this this stepping, this stepping next stop is another stepping stone to, to get to the P5 level. And then we can really start to take him seriously as a WS asset. Yeah, and take me seriously too because I'm a lot of dispenser out there. <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, let's get into wide receivers, which is not Corey's favorite, which I just found out last week. They're uh, up there. They're up there. Okay, still yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, This this transfer portal cycle was not as top heavy as last year, uh, and not as exciting from the Devi standpoint. From CFF, definitely not. But from the Devi standpoint, it was not the same as last year. We had like Asin in the portal, Jackson Dart, whatever. But uh, we have some fun names here. Uh, we're going to talk JoJo Earl, Alabama to TCU. JoJo Earl was uh, a huge fan for a huge favorite for Felix. I know that for sure. But I think all of us were were pretty much in on him being a top fifteen guy. Uh, a quick twitch slot guy. Uh, injury hampered him in the year. Never really got his speed up for Alabama. We don't know if that was uh, if he sucks or or if he just didn't come back from injury. Uh, because it just seemed really out of the ordinary. Now, TCU loses uh, Quentin Johnston to the draft. They also lose Darius Davis to the draft, uh, and they lose their starting running back to the draft. So they're losing, like, almost actually their whole top end of skill position players. It's an open backfield or open field, honestly, for anyone to take over. Uh, but typically, Sonny Dykes features the X, not the slot, and Joe Doral is a slot type. I'm I'm wondering, though, if he could develop into, like, a Josh Downs type where he can kind of – play inside outside because he definitely has those tools it's just whether if he develops into that or not this off season uh but for someone that looked 
that clearly wasn't a stock up, let's say, this past season. I think this is another good reset button. It kind of gives us a little bit of hope, gives the people what they want. Yeah, and and we know how explosive like a Sonny Dykes offense can be. I could see him being like like the new Darius Davis in this offense, who had a pretty good year for them last year. Big play threat um, in, uh, in the receiving and return game for them as well. But I think it could be maybe even a step above Darius Davis. Maybe he gets around that 700, 800 yard mark, uh, is a little bit of a, a return threat, gets a couple of rushes here and there, kind of shows his, his dynamism to make us buy in a little bit. But I also think he's got a lot to prove here, man. Like we're, we're entering the third year out of high school now. Um, kind of makes it a maker break season for him in our world right we really got to see something by this point for us to really to really buy in so i'm i'm holding steady right now at wide receiver 24 in my rankings i feel like that's a fair spot for him there's definitely some upside there but i think there's there's some risk there and i think that's baked into that ranking and i'm, I'm not happy with his place there all right let's roll into our next guy here let's talk about caden prather Caden Prather, who no one no one's taken seriously here got him in the 10th round of my mock he's basically what going in the 13th round last year so caden prather mm-hmm. had a fantastic start to the season. Uh, he was kind of like the very established number two, but kind of like more like a one. He was a one B. He was a one B to Bryce Ford Whedon, who is a six foot like six foot four athlete, fifth year guy out of West Virginia. Uh, and then and then J T Daniels, J T Daniels, the offense and just looked terrible. And that wasn't on Caden Prather at all. So he leaves the system. He goes to Maryland. Maryland uh, as a program man i don't know I, they're a roller coaster they make players like like stefan diggs and dj moore which we love and then when they get like super great talent like rakeem jarrett they don't do anything about it so uh this has just been interesting to me but i i'm in i really am in he's six foot four i think he's six foot three but he's six foot four 210 he as an athlete i do think he's on par with dante demas and and george pickens i know austin who's listening would refute this point. So I just got to put that out there because he's going to want you guys to know that. But I, I do think he's that type of athlete. I'm just saying, like, what if what if he gets that 2021 usage that Dante Demas saw before his injury? And that's honestly what, what I think is going to happen. This offense loses, I think it was 60% of their target share to, uh, to transfer portal and to the draft. So it's just wide open. I am a fan of the true freshman Octavian Smith. I am not nearly as much of a fan as I am Caden Prather. So I think he can come in, be the immediate wide receiver one for a power five offense. I guess not that West Virginia wasn't power five, but I actually am very excited for Caden Prather. He's someone that's, I think once you get him in space, he can just go. Yeah, and I do think he's pretty athletic for his size, too. And they tried to capitalize on that at West Virginia, too, throwing up some screens here and there, getting him in the open field, letting him try to try to use his ability. It didn't always work out very well, you know, over there. But uh, this is a new beginning over here at Maryland. Um, they did just go through an OC change, got rid of Dan Enos, which was a, a godsend, really, because I didn't really think he was that great of, uh, of an OC. Could never really figure out how to, I mean, besides the one year with, with Dante Demas kind of headed for a big year before the injury, could never really unlock Rakeem for some reason. I don't know why. Um, so they changed to an OC. Now, I can't remember his name, which is my fault, unfortunately. I should have wrote it here. But I know he has a pretty lengthy reputation uh, of working with some pretty good wide receivers in his career. He was at Oklahoma State with Des Bryant and Justin Blackman. He was at Mar- Marshall with Randy Moss back in the day. Okay, so this guy's been around a long time. He was most recently with Louisville, turned 2-2 Atwell into a second-round pick. 
um, and a lot of production there. So this is a guy who knows how to get the best out of his wide receivers. I think King Prather is probably the best option in that backfield, in that wide receiver core right now. So I'm hoping that he can kind of work with him as well and hopefully get a little bit more out of him than they've been, get, been able to get other wide receiver core for the past couple of years. I, I'm cautiously optimistic that King Prather is going to take a big step forward this year. He is locked in as a top 30 wide receiver for me right now in Debbie. I also took him, I believe, in the 10th or 11th round in the in the C2C startup mock that, that we're uh, doing right now, trying to shape that ADP. So, I, so I'm also fairly high on the guy. Values, man, values. <laughs> uh, but let's go on to our next guy here. Let's talk about another taller wide receiver. Let's talk about Chris Marshall, uh, who who I, I disrespected last year. Everyone did for good reason. Jimbo Fisher doesn't know how to develop talent. He only knows how to pay them. Uh, and uh, we saw Chris Marshall be the year one zero theory, and then he expressed some freedoms and got himself in some disciplinary issues. So he transfers out, which we love. We wanted that anyway the whole time because we loved him as a player. As, as a high schooler, he's one of those guys that played for about two years. So he's a very raw athlete, but he was already a five-star. So he kind of like has the tools but needs the refinement. Now he goes to Ole Miss, who has kind of had like a little bit of a dry spell of wide receiver talent, right? It's been, it's been A.J. Brown, uh, Elijah Moore. I'm forgetting the other guy that came from there. I know Dawson Knox Mecca. is on that team too. Metcalf came yeah. from there too. Metcalf, Metcalf. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So like those those are like elite players, but they've had a little bit of a dry spell. I, John Domingo was supposed to be the next guy there. That didn't really happen. But one thing's for sure, he is the unquestioned X. And I, I do think that that offense lacked a wide receiver one of any sort. It was, again, supposed to be Mingo, who was healthy and definitely showed out for a few games but also had a disappearing act. I think this is a fine spot. It's still the SEC. He still has a great quarterback that likes to gunsling, but they're trying to switch to like a run first offense. So let's see what they do in this offseason. Maybe they kind of switch to a more balanced version with a better passing weapons. But Chris Marshall goes to Ole Miss. I actually like the spot for him, and I bumped him up my rankings. Corey, what do you think about Chris Marshall? Yeah, I think we were all pleasantly surprised to see him break that year one zero mold. We had very big questions of him going to, to, especially with how raw he was going to Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher hasn't really been very good at getting the most out of these wide receivers, developing them into something. That's why we like Stewart a lot more. He was a he was a lot more of a refined product, and we've seen we saw that on the field. But we're still glad enough to see him get out there and at least break that 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 mold. Um, I kind of like this landing spot with Ole Miss too, as well. You know, routinely a very high powered offense under him. Um, there's a strong running game there with, with Judkins, which is going to keep pressure off the passing attack, going to keep guys not be able to kind of just focus on the, their wide receiver uh, weapons. They both they lose um, both both of their top receiving options from last year in Malik Heath and, and Jonathan Mingo, like you mentioned. So I really oh. think I really think Marshall has the talent to end up being the wide receiver one there. You get, I think you know there's a there's potential here to push for 900,000 yards in, in only his second season right now. 900,000. All right, 900 to 1,000. <laughs> um, so I, I'm high on him too. I was high on him as a prospect as well, um, size speed specimen as well. I have him at wide receiver 16 in my rankings. That that seems pretty high from a lot of people I've been comparing with as well. Might have to take a relook at that, but I think he's got a lot of upside here, man. And if he kind of blows up in this system, whether who's at quarterback, which is what we're going to talk about a little, uh, a little bit later, but I, I got some high hopes for him in this offense. I got him at 15, actually. Oh, my God. You're higher than me. I got to move him up now. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I, I uh, in the mock draft too, for everyone listening, I, I believe he went in the eighth round, which I thought was also a pretty good I value. took him in the fifth or sixth or something. Yeah, I took him higher and than that's that. That's where I think he probably should have gone, honestly. I've yeah. seen other Devi mocks, like just straight Devi mocks, where he goes in like the second or third round. So I, I was very surprised about that. So don't don't be listening to my eighth round value. I think that was just a forgotten player. because I've seen him go higher and everywhere else. Uh, let's go on to our next guy here. Let's talk about J. Michael Sturdivant from one J. Michael to another. Oh, by the way, for everyone, we we discovered the answer to what the J stands for. We talked about, I actually don't know if we were live or just vaccine. Uh, it's junior. He just made his suffix a prefix and he put the J in front, which I thought was pretty dope, mm-hmm. which I knew that. Anyway, so <laughs> he's really Michael Sturdivant Jr., but he just made it J. Michael Sturdivant. Anyway. Goes from Cal to UCLA. What is that, like right down the road? Like he just walked like 20 feet probably. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he goes He goes to UCLA now, which uh, we like what they're doing with that program. We love the incoming freshman uh, quarterback. He probably won't experience him this year, maybe next year, assuming he doesn't declare for the draft. He is a year one zero. I have to say that. He was a high-end recruit, very athletic, six foot three. I don't know the weight, but it's probably 210, right? 200, 210. 205, I think, yeah. 205, okay. Yeah, so uh, he, and he definitely he definitely popped a little bit last year. So uh, J. Michael goes to UCLA, Colin Schleen's throwing the ball, uh, Chip Kelly's offense, they always get national attention. For wide receivers, though, man, I can't remember the last – like I know Kyle Phillips got fifth-round draft capital last year, but I can't remember the last dynamic guy to come out of there. There was definitely one big name. Was it like Keenan Allen? Was that – he came from Cal? I can't, yeah, he was Cal. He was Cal, yeah. Okay, I think UCLA had a big name, but I'm talking about like – over five years ago come out so been a bit of a dry spell but how do you feel about j michael sturdivant as a devi asset no i think uh, i think you hit on a good point there that ucla hasn't really had a lot of production coming from their wide receiver room kind of around that 700 800 range kind of spread out the ball a little bit but i also don't think they've had a talent like sturdivant there you know like you were talking about he's got the size and he's got wheels this is a guy who tested better on in track than xavier worthy a guy that was known for his speed um and, and this guy tested better track times than he did in the 100 meter and 200 meter. So uh, I'd love to see that speed come out a little bit more at UCLA. Um, They've got, you know, of course the interesting freshman and Dante Moore coming in, you know, I think that there is a little bit of a changeover going over there. Like we talked about a little bit earlier with, with uh, steel coming in and Harden. if the running, if the running game doesn't exactly work as they're hoping, maybe they go to throwing the ball a little bit more. I think Colin Schley is fine enough to pull the strings. If not, I think they can go to Dante Moore. He's going to pull the strings just fine as well. One of the more refined prospects coming in, one of the guys who has a lot of experience as a freshman. So I think he could potentially push for some playing time near the end of the year. Maybe they link up a little bit. Um, I almost feel like, I wrote a note here. Like we've talked about this guy so much that he's almost becoming like the official player of the Back to Debbie podcast. I don't know if we want to name him that at this point. No way. No, <laughs> I don't want that. Make it a uh, Spencer. Yeah, <laughs> baby. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I am. I'm excited. I'm just excited that he's getting out of Cal because I don't think he got the respect that he deserves there. Um, especially for a pretty good season he had over there, over 700 yards. I think he led the team in touchdowns or tied for the team lead in touchdowns as well. So uh, I'm excited for this next step for him. I think he might really be able to put himself on the map a little more with a strong season at UCLA. Gets a little more attention in the national eye than California does. Yeah, and I mentioned I mentioned the year one zero thing for him. I do want to say this, though. Year one zero only analyzes top 24 seasons. So if this guy could just ball out and be a wide receiver three in the NFL. I'm not saying that he's just going to be an absolute dud. Uh, he could still have some value there. We're just always chasing the ceiling. Uh, so let's go into the next guy here. A.D. Mitchell goes from Georgia to Texas, six foot four, one ninety. Do you okay? First off, do you think this guy's six foot four? Maybe he's pretty tall and lanky. 
when I when I took a look at him, I think he's probably yeah. around that six three, six four range. Okay, I think he's more like six three, maybe six two. But I I I, I like this player. I am actually more worried about the recruits coming in because of this. But anyway, leaves Georgia. Georgia, who's not really known for their passing game, they don't really they don't really draw up anything too fancy. That if you're not a tight end, so uh, I'm glad he got out of there. Um, and then Texas clearly has a hole. Troy O'Meary's gone. Actually, they don't really have a hole. I'm sorry. I need a backup. They don't have a hole. They're bringing in a lot of talent. And the only talent leaving is Troy O'Meary, which, I mean, he doesn't even play football. He just, he he enjoys it from the sidelines. I heard today so, that he's fully healthy from Felix. Yeah, so. on good authority. <laughs> on good yeah, authority. I think, I think there was a medium in New York with a crystal brawl that told, <laughs> told Felix that he's healthy. Uh, but anyway uh ad mitchell man i don't know how to feel about him he's similar to like jonathan mingo for me where like we expect big things but he just always has an injury so we don't really get to see it uh maybe i'm just kind of exaggerating because it's just a recency bias from this year but how do you feel about ad mitchell at texas yeah so if anybody hadn't hasn't caught it i was on the cff podcast on on monday i was talking with jared palmgren he's a, he's a, the head of our cff team over there also an avid uh bulldogs fan he says the texas interest in ad mitchell was huge and it was from the get-go like the minute he became available they said he said he had interest in him even before that when he was a recruit and stuff like that they, he says there's a lot of there's a lot of nil money in play here as well apparently to, to, to bring him over so i think this could really spell some trouble for a guy like isaiah nayor if there's some truthers out there um assuming of course obviously xavier worthy ends up returning i know there's some rumors there that he might go somewhere i still think jordan winnington is going to be there still manning the slot um like you said it could also be a little bit of a hit towards the freshmen coming in if they really if they really picture a big role for ad mitchell out the gate um but you know he, he's, he's a big body wide receiver some some exceptional body control we've seen him make some exceptional grabs in the playoffs he's kind of known for that at georgia for his for his big plays his big touchdowns that he's made in the playoffs strong hands he's a little bit raw in other aspects of the game, uh, route running and stuff like that, kind of a freelancer a little bit. When I when I wrote a map actually for the Debbie Guide, found him to be a little little bit wild as a, as a route runner, but um, he could honestly prove to be a big riser this year if he ends up with a starting role with Texas. Because I think that I think Quinn Ewers could possibly have a big bounce back. I think people are probably jumping off that 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 train a little bit too early. Some of the people I think you know we forget often that this is, this was his first year starting in almost two years, right? Uh, he had to work out some of those kinks. He's got a good coaching staff there. He's got a lot of talent around him. If Adonai can kind of hop into that, that receiving core as well and become kind of an outlet for him, something that they were kind of looking for outside of worthy who likes to drop everything and someone with a little bit stronger hands. And, you know, there might be some value here to picking up Adonai a little bit later in your drafts. Is he a third year or a fourth year? I He's can't third year. Like, this is his upcoming third year? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Anyway, just check. Anyway, he's non-zero. I just had to check that out. I, I, I have been fascinated by his athletic profile. It's just uh, his flashes here and there. So if you're still in on him, I'm I'm not I'm, – I don't think I can dissuade you. I actually think I might bump him up my rankings now because I am a Nayor truther, uh, but he's clearly a threat for that role. And I don't – I. I'm probably going to bet on the Georgia transfer over a Wyoming transfer coming off an ACL. Yeah. So, <laughs> probably a <laughs> so, safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I do like this a lot for Adonai Mitchell and they, and they need, they need bigger bodies. Uh, Cause it really was just kind of worthy was out there and JT Sanders. And that was it. I, I really am excited for the Texas offense this year. I was excited last year. Um, I hope I don't turn into like the Texas fans where I think every year is their year for like the next like two decades. That's a, just like every year. It's like, is Texas yeah. back? You know, <laughs> yeah. Miami too, though. Miami yeah. too. 
Uh, I like that a lot, though. Let's talk about another Georgia transfer, but this guy's transferring in. We're talking about Dominic Lovett going from Mizzou to Georgia. Uh, small slot, quick twitch guy. Um, I'm sure he's going to be calm to like Zay Flowers come next year. I really do think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of this type. I think the NFL has told us that how they feel about this type of player. Um, and I'm not talking about Devonta Smith or Addison. Those guys are kind of a tier of their own, but everybody else below that. Uh, I'm not really too excited. Again, I don't know who's throwing the ball here. This offense is, is uh, pretty bland for wide receivers in general, uh, but he really should be the unquestioned one. Adonai Mitchell was like really his only his only competition. So and there's Lad McConkey too. I don't like yeah. these Georgia pass catchers, man. I don't like any of them. Yeah, I do think McConkey's probably still going to be at least you know you make a good point about so much turnover. We don't know how the new quarterback is going to target. We don't know if Stetson just like McConkey or something, but kind of the underdog thing there. They just had a good thing, good uh, chemistry with each other. I don't know who's going to step up here, but uh, I do think what Lovett did you know, obviously deserves some attention. He was very good for a Mizzou team that wasn't very good, but he helped them be pretty competitive. You even came down to the wire against Georgia. He helped them come down to the, to the wire against Georgia. He had over eighty yards in that game. I think. He had over 80 yards in four of eight conference games uh, as well, which is which is pretty good. I mean, he, he was showing up in some of the bigger games. He was showing up against some of the tougher defenses, struggled in some of the other ones as well. But he was also held back by a little bit of poor quarterback play. Um, uh, what's his name? Brady Cook over there, not necessarily the greatest passer. Um, his fit with Georgia is going to be interesting because like, like we've talked about, they lose a few guys. Uh, Adonai is gone. Uh, Dominic Blaylock is gone as well. Both of who guys were outside guys. Uh, McConkie's also an outside guy. Um, was their best wide receiver last year. He's going to stay on the outside, which makes Lovett's fit more interesting, I think, as more of a, as a slot guy because there hasn't really been a, a, a we don't really – sorry, by we because I'm a Dogs fan, if anybody doesn't know. They don't feature the slot the slot position in, in this offense right. very much, yeah. right? Unless you want to talk about what Bowers does for them because sometimes he's split into the slot and stuff like that. So I don't know how that's all going to kind of work out. He's they a also bigger bring, body, though. It's definitely yeah. that architecture type of receiver, 5'10", 187. I, yeah. yeah. You, so you it, don't see a, that with Georgia. They like their big bodies. Right, and they bring in another big body as well in Rara Thomas, who had some had some uh, uh, off field troubles this past weekend. Uh, I think a, a, a domestic uh, abuse case or something like that. I think it got into a little uh, scuffle with his girl. He de- denies everything. He's actually there's some kind of false imprisonment thing going on. So uh, interesting to see how that kind of all works out. We'll see how that kind of works out there. But there's a lot just to see here. I think this is going to be a team that's going to be close, uh, very important to pay attention to in the off season uh, during spring. If it's going to be Carson Beck, if if um, why is his name escaping me? The other Gunner Stockton, yes, yeah, Stockton. Stockton. If he can kind of push for something, seeing who they're going to target and stuff like that. So I'm just kind of in wait and see mode w- with Love It right now. If he's as good as a prospect as some people out there kind of claim he should be, he should be able to command the targets even in this low low offense or low volume passing offense for Georgia. So I'm interested to see if he can do that and kind of bust out because I think this is kind of a make it or break it spot. He might not be as even as productive as he was at Mizzou, which is kind of crazy to say going over to Georgia. But that's just how their their attack works over there. All right, let's get into Dorian Singer, USC, right? Goes from Arizona to USC, was the leading Pac-12 wide receiver last year. Uh, he's six foot 170. We kind of did a player profile on him uh, midseason, mm-hmm. uh, talking about how he's a, a skinnier contested catch specialist uh, with low-level athletics. Um, we have a self-proclaimed 4-7, which is usually faster than what they actually run. And if you're bragging about a 4-7, that's, that's just terrible. Uh, so... <laughs> 
I, I, the only thing new I do want to bring up about his situation is that we just saw Brendan Rice absolutely ball out on that final bowl game here. And again, this team does lack size. Uh, we're still waiting for Deuce Robinson to commit, the freshman tight end who who has USC on his list. And then there's also the concerns about baseball. Um, but again, there's no size on this roster outside of Brendan Rice, who's six foot three, one ninety. And then, um, so because it's, it's right now presumed by a lot of people that Dorian Singer would be the outside guy. You know, he just just throw it up. He's a jump ball guy. Uh, but Brendan Rice's breakout, I've I would have I would have assumed before I saw this final game from Brendan Rice that it would have been Dorian Singer's field for sure as a starter. With this game that Brendan Rice just played, I now think we're gonna have a position battle in the offseason. Uh, and now I'm actually a little bit more interested in Brendan Rice as a player. He was definitely someone I toted as a long shot. Again, I was banking off the only guy with size, and I thought he had a pretty good athletics uh, as far as like straight line goes, not really a lateral guy. But he, I, I think Corey talked about him weeks ago. He looked great. So. What do you think about Dorian Singer here in this situation? You know, I, I do agree with you that Brendan Rice, I think he's going to have a say in this competition after that game. And, I, you know, I think he looked freaking damn good in that game. If anybody hasn't seen it, go watch that game. I have a tweet up as well. If you search my tag and, and Brendan Rice, you'll see his game. I cut up a lot of it and posted it on Twitter. He had an amazing game. So I think he's going to be part of this thing. I do think, you know, they bring in Dorian Singer. He's a, he's probably a high value transfer they probably envisioned some type of role for him we didn't necessarily necessarily see it work out with mario williams last year we saw it work out with addison taj washington was an, was another transfer that came in kind of had his his ups and downs as well um so it doesn't necessarily mean he's promised for for anything um but it, it you know he's going to be with caleb williams as well another rock star quarterback another high flying offense he did really well in some advanced metrics at arizona as well if that's your sort of thing you know what I mean? Uh, 2.4 yards per out run, over 30% market share. Uh, wasn't a complete zero as a freshman as well. Um, so he, he's done some things here, but I'm, I'm skeptical. You know, we've seen the transfers come in, not really do a bunch. They have, they also have two of our top five wide receivers in this freshman class coming in. Not sure how much those guys are going to play a role and how much everybody, uh, how much uh, everybody gets, if it's going to be split up a whole bunch. So I know some people out there are being pretty aggressive with Singer right now, but I have some skepticism. He, he's somewhere around wide receiver 30 for me right now. I do think Lincoln Riley did a fantastic job in bringing in a diverse group of high-end talent. And so I'm mm-hmm. kind of excited to see how it shapes out. But he's been doing his job as a coach and definitely giving the team tons of good options here. Uh, let's talk about another player. Let's talk about Dante Thornton. Uh, Oregon transfer going to Tennessee. Uh, a slender speedster. Tennessee loses Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt to the draft. They also lose... Uh, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback, but it's pretty much anyone's backfield. We saw Squirrel White break out during the bowl game. We all, we are all saying that he's probably the heir apparent for Jalen Hyatt. Um, Jalen Hyatt, we're not really excited about for his NFL talent. We do think he's going to get the draft capitals, but I don't know how you want to take that for that. But anyway, uh, he has a good odds to be the one here, only because there's just not a lot of returning talent. So. This is an interesting landing spot. And this was a guy that was uh, rumored, I want to say rumored, discussed about being the actual wide receiver one in Oregon during the offseason because he had a really great spring game. Uh, so now he's back with Tennessee. I, I'm probably not going to take any shares of him unless it's, it's at a really big value. But you got any thoughts on Dante Thornton here? Yeah, he's someone that I've kind of followed a little bit. Very high pedigree kid. Um, has flashed at times, like you said, in the spring last year. And then in the bowl game in his freshman season as well, which did end up breaking a lot of those year one zero thresholds we like to see. So he did break that. Um, 
apparently he was highly sought after in this transfer portal too. He's a high rank uh, wide receiver in the portal. I think he was like the wide receiver one at one time. So uh, guys have a lot of faith in his abilities, right? 6'5", 200 pounds, great red zone possession type receiver, long wingspan. Um, I don't think he's maybe the quickest, um, you know, in, in short areas, but that's not really something you're going to expect from a wide receiver his size anyway. It's not really the role he's going to play, right? The wide receiver core at Tennessee is a little bit interesting, right? You mentioned Squirrel White. I think he's likely going to be the slot guy. I think Brew McCoy kind of, kind of showed a little bit last year, at least to potentially be on one of those outside spots last year, which leaves Thornton at least as, as a guy I would consider in a very high powered offense as the other option on that outside. And like you said, I think there is a chance here that, that he could bounce back and potentially be the wide receiver one, or at least be, be, uh, really involved in this offense. I mean, I'm not overly enamored with the guy. I think he's only somewhere in like my wide receiver forties right now until I see something a little bit more, but there's potential here for a big bounce back. I think there's worse shots you could take later in your draft. I don't even have him ranked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this one, that's the thing. There's not a lot of analysis here to go on. You got to kind of just put some faith in a ranking. If you're going to rank him, right. The, that he's going to have well, some bounce I didn't back. like him yeah. even in Oregon. I didn't like him then either, but he should be ranked. Yeah. I mean, a little bit respectful. I'll put him in front of, uh, I'll put him in front of Jordan Hudson. <laughs> there you go. See, <laughs> two, two guys you absolutely hate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fire receiver 78. Anyway, uh, yeah, we're gonna go on to the next guy here, CJ Williams, who I, I actually am a little interested in. He's six foot two, two hundred. Came from USC again, going to uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin now is just as as an offense. This is exciting. This is this is why we love college ball here. They bring in Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. He made a bunch of uh, NFL draft talent out of the G five, which is just insane. Um, which is also really unexciting for Devi purposes. But then he brings in Phil Longo as, as an OC, and I'm like, whoa, yeah. this guy knows his weaknesses. Like, he knows he's not an offensive mindset. Brings in the UNC offensive mind, you know, Josh Downs creator, Diami Brown creator, that guy. Uh, brings him in. They bring in some, like, really good recruits. C.J. Williams was a was a wide receiver nine from last year's class, high four-star. They asked Skylar Bell. Who else did they bring? They brought in a few other guys, too. Do you know any on the top of your head? Uh, Wisconsin wide receivers I brought in. I think CJ yeah. Williams is guy that's really on my radar. Was the only one big, yeah. But I think they brought him yeah. up to like mid level guys too. Anyway, they bring in some good. Oh, and the quarterbacks they brought in. They brought in Nick right, Everett, yeah. who was a true freshman last year. He's a second year this year. I think he was also a top ten QB freshman. Then they bring in Tanner Mordecai, the the I guess sixth year, the sixth year quarterback from SMU who just loves to sling the ball. I mean, this is going to be an exciting offense that's not just about the run play, and then. You know, Wisconsin offensive line, you don't need to say anything else. That's a nice, stout offensive line. You're going to have Braylon Allen no longer have nine-man boxes to run against, and now you have an offense that's very exciting. Anyway, he should be the wide receiver one there. The only other real talent they have there is Skylar Bell. He is a third-year player. Um, Again, no one that's really putting numbers up as a wide receiver. But C.J. Williams, who is a year one zero, I do have to mention that. But I also want to mention that uh, – because of like early declare, late declare, I care less about that type of stuff because we have this COVID eligibility. We have these extra years. These guys are sticking around. It's harder for freshmen to get on the field. So maybe we see more guys beat the year one zero theory outside of DK Metcalf and Jarvis Landry. I mean, like those are the only two guys that have done it. So CJ Williams can be exciting. He can still have some Debbie value. And like I said, this is the study only analyzes wide receiver one and wide receiver two seasons. He could still be a wide receiver three at the next level. So I am excited for CJ Williams. This is a stock up. I just don't know how up I'm going to put him, but I actually am excited about this. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely dig this spot for C.J. Williams. Um, you know, I was actually one of the higher guys on him last year in the freshman class. I thought he was pretty technical and refined. We talked about that before as film guys. When we see guys who are a little bit more technically refined, um, that that it kind of grab, grabs our attentions as guys who are, are – are, uh, ready for the next level sometimes unfortunately he we don't really get to see him that much at usc but um i still think he's got a lot of talent to him um usc just was so loaded back there there wasn't a lot of chance and you, and you talked about phil longo coming over has some of the best track record with wide receivers you know um in north carolina with diami brown and josh downs and even daz newsome and then even at Ole miss he was back over there with guys like aj brown he, uh, dk metcalf elijah moore he yeah. was part of yeah, those yeah, guys yeah, yeah. yeah and he helped make all these guys jump to the nfl you know some with with varying success other than others, but he's helping develop these guys into, into bona fide talents. And I really think that CJ Williams could be that guy. My one concern with the Phil Longo offense is that it usually targets a slot receiver, which, it, which, you know, I, I don't really know if CJ Williams is going to fit into that mold. You know, AJ Brown was a slot receiver. Elijah Moore was a slot receiver. Josh Downs was a slot receiver. There was some guys to break the mold, whether it was Metcalf or, or Brown or whatever. So I'm interested to see how he's going to fit into here, but I just love, everything that's happening at Wisconsin. You're still going to have the running attack with Allen to take the pressure off. Uh, you're going to be able to chuck the ball around the field. Mordecai loves to do that. He's a guy who's loved his outside targets as well at times. So I have a lot of faith for a big bounce back here for CJ Williams in Wisconsin. I think he's going to be a nice value. And just to get a little more background on CJ Williams and why he didn't succeed at, at UNC is because he was recruited by the prior coaching staff, not by Lincoln Riley. And, and those type of things do happen. And then the coaches come mm-hmm. in and, Lincoln Riley is basically like, hey, you're not my guy, pal. You know, like that's it. So I don't know what to talk about him as like an actual skill player. He is a year zero and zero. We got to say that. But yeah, stock up for him. Very excited about that. Uh, we're going a little deeper here. Uh, two more guys, a little bit deep. I'm talking about Malik McLean here. Uh, he was one of my first my guys when Austin pushed me out of just doing NFL draft content and doing deeper, deeper Debbie stuff. Uh, Malik McLean was FSU. He was a nine-year one zero, um, six foot four, one ninety-five. I think is what he's listed as a recruit. I think he's probably two ten now. He's clearly a a straight line athlete, one of those big size speed guys. Not a lot of refinement, very raw. Um, FSU for two years, still raw. Like just no real improvement there. They brought in transfers. He didn't really progress at all. Uh, he's still the same recruit. Hits the portal. I truly just didn't really care. I think I made jokes in the Slack about it. Uh, and then he goes to, to Penn State, which I was like, all right, I'm ready to get hurt again. Let's go. <laughs> Penn State Penn State's developed uh, Jahan Dotson. We got Parker Washington coming out, who's kind of, you know, getting mocked between like third round and like fourth and fifth round. Uh, but Penn State is a team that, that puts in uh, talent to the NFL. And they don't have they don't have a, an incumbent that's going to that's coming up right now. They just don't. And, and they they haven't been recruiting well. At all lately. Uh, KLS, I, I don't want to, I'm sorry, Corey. KLS is just not it. <laughs> no. <Aiden> Saunders <laughs> hasn't been it. <laughs> so uh, it's it's an open wide receiver core. He has size. Uh, and I don't actually know anybody else that has size in that offense right now. It's really coming to my mind. Uh, so uh, if you're listening to me and you're in a draft, don't take him in like the top 30 rounds, top 35. But like, you know, maybe, maybe make him one of your last five picks. But Malik McLean, Non-year one zero, great size, great speed, super raw. Goes to a team that is usually has a fairly good track record at developing route runners. So, hopefully, this could be a, a increase for him. 
I do. I don't mind the spot he's going to. He's never a guy I'm really enamored with, but I, I right. do think it wasn't a guy that we talked about. Actually, I think we talked about in the past show. But the guy I'm really interested in that is going to Penn State is Dante Cephas, who's coming from Kent State, a G5 to P5. Maybe we could actually mention him in the in the upper section there. A guy who maybe profiles a little bit more like like a Jahan Dotson, who I think could actually end up being the, the bigger value there. Or maybe not value. He's going actually pretty high in drafts right now. I think a lot of people are kind of buying into him potentially being the wide receiver one there. But they do need other options. KLS is more of a your speed guy. We've seen him, you know, break some big plays. He did in the bowl game as well. He's always been kind of a down-the-field threat um, for them. But not someone as sturdy as Malik McLean. But I'm I'm still just kind of picturing him as he's going to kind of be in that Mitchell Tinsley role or something. Like, like you know, maybe not super productive or something like that so yeah i'm still an amari evans fans too by the way i'm not i'm not out on him yet but (laughs) enough of penn state though let's talk about um jeremy bernard uh michigan state university transfer going to uh, washington i was more excited about this when i thought jaylen mcmillan and roman Mm -hmm. gonna leave uh now it gets kind of crowded which was really awkward because we thought it was gonna be the exact opposite um so the same the same offense comes back i'm sure it's gonna be the same snap count for them too and the same target share splits uh but jeremy bernard was a a vertical threat at michigan state which is kind of what they they recruit and what they develop are just vertical threats uh but anyway he goes to washington as a non-year one zero and that's a much better passing offense and that's really all there is to it yeah, I can't really add anything much there. Very disappointed that he wasn't going to get more of a chance there now with Washington. You know, there was a chance he might have been walking into a wide receiver two role there because I, I imagine Jalen Polk probably would have been the wide receiver one. But everybody's returning now, which means I can't imagine he's higher, much higher than the wide receiver four, which means next year we're going to have to see who else they bring in and whatever to see if he's really going to get a chance. Even though unless there's some injuries this year where he can step up. But other than that, like you, you, you're not really looking at much better than wide receiver four here for this year. That's going to wrap up the wide receiver group, which was really honestly like most of this podcast. It's going to be wide receiver. You're, you're listening. You probably already see the time. You know that's going to be most of the podcast. I don't know why I'm even saying that. But we're <laughs> going to go into running backs, which really wasn't that exciting outside of Carson Steele, which we talked about in the G5 to P5 section. Uh, but let's talk about Marshawn Lloyd going from South Carolina to USC. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd was uh, – really exciting as a high school recruit everyone had him super high he was i feel like a consensus top five guy for everybody in Devi. um really shifty tore an acl like right away uh and then just hasn't been the same since i mean like zero percent hasn't been the same uh people would say he had a good stretch of games this past year i'm trying to see where that was at but like it it wasn't that it was like one really poor team charlotte he played well against Charlotte. Yeah, it was G5 team, too, on top of it. Yeah, it was G5 <laughs> team, yeah. Okay, so uh, he still isn't back. I don't know what's going on. Uh, maybe he's still just recovering, um, but he's now going to be a third year removed from the injury, so uh, there's no more excuses left, but he lands in a system that's going to give him a good opportunity. Travis Dye goes to the draft. Austin Jones, I think, is the incumbent that's staying behind. They have two freshmen coming in, but again, he is the transfer veteran coming in. The point is that he landed with a pretty good system if you're going to bounce back. Like, this is it. This is his last shot, and I I am actually very surprised a team of this caliber gave him an opportunity. Yeah, I think he's kind of living off the pedigree right now a little bit. You know, he was a Absolutely. very exciting. Yeah, he was very exciting back um, 
coming out of out um, one of my top five backs. So I think it was my RB like three, maybe four or something coming out of that class. So I was very excited about him, but he has not looked the same after the ACL injury. He just hasn't. And I get the allure of like going to USC. Um, you're in the national spotlight or, uh, there. It's very, very high powered offense. Um, you know, he could, I think he can maybe, you know, have some impressive outings for his name there, but I'm put his name on the map a little bit, but it, it, it's a more crowded room than it would seem. I think sometimes, you know, like Travis Dye was there last year, you, you figure he's going to walk into that role, but you got Austin Jones still there. They pretty much split the load between those two guys last year. You still have Relic Brown there who I know that we're not super excited for Debbie purposes, but we saw him break out a little bit in the bowl game. Yeah. He's uh, obviously a little bit more of a pass catching, you know, complimentary back, but he could get more run this year as well um you know he's bound to get more after after last year was really only his freshman season um didn't do anything to really tell them not to give him more they they also bring in two semi-interesting backs in this class um you know and we've seen uh what was it marion peterson and uh and joiner i can't remember yeah quentin joiner uh, who had one of the highest mile per hour times as well in, in this class uh, but actually. yeah they but they just constantly rotate these guys you know what I mean? And I just have a feeling that's not going to change anytime soon. I don't think that Marshawn is a big enough presence to, to command all the touches. So I'm kind of skeptical on this spot and, and skeptical on Marshawn Lloyd in, in general. I think he could possibly have a couple of big games and everybody's going to talk about him during those big games, but I just don't see it being a consistent thing for him here. Let's roll into our next guy. Let's talk about Justin Williams Thomas. I'm just going to call him Justin Williams because that's what he was for me for most of the year. But uh, he goes he goes to Stanford, and then he changes his mind, and he goes to Cal. And we love Stanford because they didn't seem to have really an incumbent there. I mean, EJ Smith is a little bit on the smaller side, um, Emma Smith's son, for anyone who doesn't know. But it, it was more of an ambiguous backfield. And now he goes to a, a system where we love Jay Knott. Jay Knott was great. He definitely disappeared at times. But I thought really it's just because uh, Cal, Cal seems to be becoming a more exciting system. I can't say they're exciting. But, like, uh, they they weren't terrible to watch last year. So, um, and they have Jay Knott there. So he transfers there. Byron Carwell goes there as well. It's just super crowded for a freshman that me and you both had ranked within our top ten at the position um and i just i don't even know how to rank him i'm i definitely don't think he beats out jay not like i and clearly he can't just wait his turn they're in the same class so he's going to be unproductive for what two years until jay not leaves anyway justin williams thomas uh going to cal yeah i i hate it as well uh going there i don't know what it means i've even lowered Jaden odd a little bit because i don't know if they're all going to kind of just cannibalize each other um i don't yeah. know if i should you know uh, rise up byron cardwell a bit is he going to get some run this was a guy that we liked a lot after showing some stuff his freshman season and then not getting any run last year i don't know if he pissed off somebody or slept with somebody's wife or something like that but he just didn't get any run there at oregon last year so um but we all agree that he he has some talent and he can also be a part of this so we're looking at what a three-headed backfield or let's just say it's it's byron and, and Jaden, the guy who are the two most experienced is justin williams like you were saying we're gonna have to wait another year to kind of get any kind of production from him so going into his third year at cal before we even see anything so someone is going to be the odd man out here and with his kind of lack of experience and, and youth i'm wondering if it's going to be him and and we really don't get to see him hit the field this year again and just plummet down rankings once again. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's get into the quarterback room. Let's talk about Sam Hartman going from Wake to Notre Dame. Uh, Wake, Wake always had some exciting uh, wide receiver talent. I feel like every single year people want to debate their wide receivers out of Debbie assets. You're talking about Sage Surratt, who ended up being a UDFA. <laughs> 
uh, A.T. Perry was in like a few mocks being like a second rounder early season. I, I haven't heard as many people talk about him. Um, but anyway, and then Donovan Green, who I was a big fan of, um, who, who tore his ACL. But man, he those 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 few games his sophomore year were just magic. But anyway, maybe the wide receiver won this year. Maybe. Yes, maybe. Uh, mm. But he goes to Notre Dame. And I think the real exciting piece here are the wide receivers at Notre Dame finally get a quarterback that can throw. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and of course, this is a good system. Uh, they got a great offensive line, too. Uh, it was pretty hard to watch Notre Dame this year once uh, we learned that Tyler Buckner wasn't it. And then we had to watch Drew Pine the rest of the year. And then it was it was just really know, it was terrible. It was terrible football. Um, but I, I'm kind of back in. And again, Marcus Freeman, the head coach who's new to being a head coach, it's just his first year, but he looked great during the bowl game this year. He looked great during the bowl game last year. I'm ready to get hurt again. Um, <laughs> but this this is a this is a good destination, one, for Sam Harmon to get his degree in. I just want to say that. And then uh, two, t- this, is a, this is a good system to show what he's got. Yeah, I just uh, for me and what I put in my notes is that he's just gonna bring some stability to this room, you know, where they really lacked that last year. Hopefully, we can see some of these wide receiver options blossom under him, you know. And when it comes to Hartman himself, I think if I'm not mistaken, before he committed, he was like the number one ranked transfer portal quarterback in the in the portal because of what he's done uh, up until now, right? He's been a pretty productive guy over there at Wake Forest. He's done a lot of good things. He kind of just strikes me as a good college quarterback you know i'm a little bit, little bit meh on him as, as as a devi asset you know a guy who doesn't have a ton of zip on his passes uh distributes the ball kind of well but it, you know isn't typically a one read guy can kind of move around the pocket a little uh, really well but isn't going to bring anything with his legs a little bit of a weird throwing motion a lot of air under his balls when he tries to attack deep so i think he strikes me as more of a backup level at the next level if we are going to talk about kind of hoping for his transition if he makes it there but i do just hope that he can bring some stability to this to this Notre Dame passing attack and maybe we can see guys like lorenzo styles and maybe we can see guys like who's the freshman last year that's passing that's skipping my my head right now so uh tobias merriweather yeah merriweather if he can do something over there too if, if one of these guys if he can kind of bring out some of these guys uh in this wide receiver core that we've been hoping can kind of do something that's mainly the the thing i'm hoping for the most with hartman going to to Notre Dame. yeah i mean like some of the weapons coming in as true freshmen but let, let's let's go over to the qb2 of the transfer portal and talk about Devin Leary going from NC State to uh, Kentucky. Uh, disappearing act this past year. Don't know what happened. Year before, though, 35 passing touchdowns, only five interceptions, over 3,500 passing yards. I mean, he was he was great. I, I, he was quite a few of our dark horses for being like the QB 3-4 in the class um, until his disappearing act. Goes to Kentucky. Kentucky has a nice group of young pass catchers and Dane Key, Barry and Brown. A lot of it's a site are fans of Shamir Porter. By fans, I mean he's like inside our top 25. Uh, but um, it, it's an exciting offense game. And they get Liam Cullen back from the Rams, OC that left for a year. Our one exciting year of offense at Kentucky, and we got the OC back. So, And we also got some transfers in for that O-line because that O-line was pretty bad this year. But hopefully they got some experience and we brought some transfers in, whatever, whatever, whatever. It should be a stock up for the Kentucky offense, its weapons, and gives Devin Leary a bigger – Stage, it's a bigger stage, a bigger stage yeah. for, for national attention, you know, with Will Levis and all that hype, I mean, it's got to be a bigger stage. 
Yeah, and you got to think people will be looking here after Will Will Levis uh, did that. You know, they kind of did the same thing with the BYU quarterbacks when Zach Wilson they left and everybody hopped on Jaron Hall, and that's kind yes. of just like completely quieted out now after a while. So, but but I think that's kind of the same you're going to do here. So he's got a chance to really bounce back here a little bit. And I wrote the Debbie guy piece for Leary last year. There were some parts I was impressed with. Okay, definitely a guy who's got you know good mechanics. Uh, this is a guy who has good velocity on his throws, gets the ball up quick. I just found there was some other aspects of his game lacked a little bit of anticipation. Could have kicked occasionally be a little bit of a slow processor when reading the field maybe a little bit indecisive in that in that factor but um love to hit his first read if that was gone things got a little bit shaky sometimes and then you know he played this year and it was a step back i know um, uh, people want to talk about disappearing act we're not talking about the fact that he got injured we're talking about the fact that even when he played during those first like seven games i think it was that it wasn't the same type of production i mean his internet his touchdown interception ratio were almost the same um we're almost close to each other um that the passing yards wasn't the same he wasn't really producing the same type of numbers i will say going over to kentucky i think this is probably the best skill positions he's had ever around him, you know, with Barry and Brown and Dane key. I don't think the, anybody at NC state really kind of matches up to the level of these guys um, should have a fairly decent rushing attack too. Kentucky's been known for that. They bring in Ramon Davis. I don't know if he's going to be an exact replacement for Chris Rodriguez, but that was something they could always rely on. So you're not always going to be focusing on the passing attack or whatever. So he, he's got a pretty good situation for himself to at least try to re regain some of that hype back you know i don't think he has round one potential like he was getting you know what i mean like before this before this year started but he could potentially rehab his stock to, to maybe hop into day two at least get drafted into the nfl and and go from there maybe even a senior bowl invite too yeah exactly right now he's now he's on that on that spectrum as well so all right let's talk about our last player in our last group our favorite the tight ends and I really wanted to talk about Eric Gilbert. Eric Gilbert, who was uh, a freshman phenom at LSU, transfers to Georgia, um, had some has some stuff going on the side, some personal issues, but comes back to football. He looks great in the spring. We're all thinking he's back. We think he's gonna he's earned himself some playing time. Obviously, not gonna supplant Brock Bowers um, and Darren Darnell. Excuse me, not Darren Darnell Washington was a, a high-caliber pedigree type of guy himself. But we still thought Eric Gilbert's going to get on the field a little bit. It never happened. I, I don't know any of the background stuff to that. Maybe Jared knows a little bit more than I do out there. But he goes to Nebraska. Nebraska is a reforming offense, still power five. They always seem to have a certain fan group that just thinks they're great. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't think this is a bad landing spot. And this will be our last chance to get a look at Avery Gilbert. He still has that pedigree and that athleticism. So, and I know he put on a ton of weight uh, when he left the program for a little bit there. And I know he was working on getting rid of that weight. Now let's say that that's why he didn't get on the field. That means that he had more time to get himself ready for football. So I'm not sure what I have in my rankings, but I'm still interested and I'm willing to take him out of value. But in my mock draft, I saw him go inside the top 10 rounds and I am not taking him inside the top 10. Yeah, we just know that the talent is there with him, right? And there's been some rumors that there's been some academic stuff. There's been some off-field personal matters as well. I don't. I'm not going to speculate on any of that. I'm just, you know, relaying the information that I've that I've heard. I don't know if any of it's true or whatever. We just know that he has a ton of upside. We saw a little bit of it at LSU during his freshman season, and you know, things just kind of hit rock bottom. Never really got back from there. But he is going to be joining Nebraska. They got Matt Rule headed over there. Uh, um, you know, Matt Rule is going to bring a little bit more firepower to that offense. You know, last time we saw him at Baylor um, top 30 offense in the nation. Um, you know, and, and, but the one thing with Matt rule, I was even talking about this a little bit on the CFF podcast with, with, with Jared is that 
he's never featured a tight end really in any of his offenses. Never when he went to the NFL, never when he was in, 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 in uh, college. So I, I really wonder if he's going to be featured there. I also wonder, you know, can Eric Gilbert possibly play outside? There was some, there was some speculation that Georgia might play him that way. I still think he's a tight end for, for Debbie purposes. Um, like for when he gets to the NFL, like even if he plays wide receiver, I think the NFL is going to look at him as a tight end. It, it, I don't know if he has the exact athleticism to, to excel as a wide receiver at the next level. So I'm, I'm skeptical of like, him putting up like big numbers at, at Nebraska, if he stays at tight end. So I'm wondering if there's a switch there in his future, if he wants to get on the field and kind of produce and maybe put his name more on the map. So, um, you know, I, I personally, I think I have him at like tight end 10 right now, but that's also just because they don't rank many tight ends. We've talked about it a bunch yeah. of times. Like we don't, <laughs> we don't do that right now. So it's more of just like, a just for the, for the pedigree for everything. And we don't tight ends is so hard to predict. It really is. We don't know, how they're going to translate to the NFL. And maybe they only need one year to really do it. We're, we got guys like Darren Waller, who was never a tight end in, in in college and made the transition in the NFL to do it. You know, we've got random guys who are tight end ones. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Gilbert could translate eventually. We just need to see him put keep his head on for one good year here and actually show some stuff. We just don't want to discount the talent that's there. Yeah, exactly. All right, Corey, any last alibis, any players that you think that we missed you want to talk about? No, I think we did a good show here, man. We're already hitting almost about uh, an hour and 20 minutes here. I think we did. I think we gave the people a lot to chew yeah, on we, here. Yeah, we did it. pretty good. Let's pat ourselves yeah. on the back. Let's... Yeah, pat, pat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. High fives. All right. High five. All right, guys, that, that wraps up our show for the week. Uh, join us next week, and we're going to talk about portals, winners, and losers, but from the perspective of the players that stayed with their teams. And again, you guys, uh, if you want to like review the show, please go ahead and do that. Go to Apple Music, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts and review us. Let us know how we do. If you don't like us, though, you can keep that to yourself and come back next week. And then we'll talk about it then. (laughs) From Corey and I, good night and good luck.